Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's true. We are back, and we are back better than ever. For today's episode, after a long two-and-a-half-month hiatus, we have the number one Sanders podcast show on the show with Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller of the Locked On Sanders podcast. I highly recommend you guys listen to that. It's essentially like Sense Talk, but on podcast. It's a great, great show, and uh, they do great work there, so be sure to check it out. But besides that, enjoy today's episode. It was a great conversation, so enjoy that, and we'll see you in the next one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very, very excited to have the Locked on Standards podcast crew here. Brandon, Ross, thank you for joining us. Hey, pleasure, Brandon. How are you doing today, man? Well, just finished uh, the first semester of my university career, so cannot complain whatsoever. It's a pretty good feeling all around here in Ottawa. What about you guys? Yeah, it's good. It's, uh, it's good to be back here in Collingwood. I was away for a bit, so it's nice to be back into my own routine, and it's a pleasure to join you on yet another Brandon, Brandon sends podcast uh, reunion here. You got to love it. I love, you know, it's, it's awesome. The sense Twitter, I've been on it since 2014. And I just recently uh, met Brandon Mackey, like got into interactions with him. And then I've been following you guys for a bit. Originally when you guys were sent central and it's just crazy. I didn't realize how many brands there really are on sense Twitter. I maybe met one other Brandon in my life. And in this small community, I've met three different Brandons. It's pretty surreal. Can't lie. Yeah, so, yeah, too many of us. Now, before we get into NHL, World Juniors, the NODAC Senators, first thing, you guys got a huge star onto your show a couple of weeks ago. It helped me get through my studying for my final exams. Tim Stutzla, break that down. How did that come to fruition? Oh, it was just a simple kind of content uh, map that we put out. We were trying to find ways to fill these, what, 285? five days now between Ottawa Senators games and coming off the draft I mean I think we did a good job of growing um, not only our listenership but our guest list during the lead up to the NHL draft and it was a lot of looking at who's scouting and who's making lists and reaching out and seeing if they'd like to come on the show and when you realize in the hockey community there's so many great people here that for sure nobody nobody says no so you just kind of reach out you reach out and coming off of that we said hey why don't we try to introduce some of these prospects to our listenership one, but the market of Ottawa where it's beneficial for them too. They get their name out in the city that drafted them and they're kind of relatively unknowns at the point. So I just sent emails to literally every team that, uh, that sends picked from. And I mean, twice with the Brandon Wheat Kings and twice with North Dakota and Hey, you don't hear back from everyone. And that's just the way it goes. You don't have any hard feelings there. It turns out three 30 in the morning one day uh, due to the time change. So I woke up in the morning and had a, (laughs) a reply from Mannheim uh, PR, and that's no surprise. I mean, Mannheim's one of the premier um, European hockey clubs, so all class by them. And uh, I did find it a bit interesting, though, in that reply. Usually they set it up. Even Mm -hmm. they'll be like, okay, you call me then, and I'll connect you to the player. They just gave me his phone number in the reply. So I just shot him a text, and it was a bit of a a wild goose chase at times. But, Mm -hmm. uh, hey, he's a busy guy. There's no, no harm in that. And Hey, he made time for us, and it was uh, it was a pleasure getting to be his first English interview since since the draft. And yeah. now coming up here at the World Juniors, Brandon, we'll finally get to see him on the ice, which will be awesome as well. And I can't stress this enough. 
I did listen to, I, I, you guys were an integral part. I, I can't stress this enough. You guys were an integral part of my study, my study routine. Uh, your, your podcasts are great to listen to, especially when you're studying or just to sit down on the, when you're driving. So the Lockdown Standards podcast, can you just discuss the, the whole journey? Just a quick little image of the whole journey from the beginning to where you guys are at now. You're the top standards podcast. You're on the top podcast on your network. Just tell, talk to us about your success. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a wild ride, Brandon. Uh, yeah. So for people that don't know Ross and I's story, we met at the College of Sports Media in Toronto, heart of enemy territory, where Ross <laughs> still is these days. And uh, yeah, a couple of me, Ross, and a couple of buddies, we're all Sens fans in Toronto. So we started doing a podcast more. We more started it for practice, for reps, and just we, we were excited to get going about it. We had a radio studio in school we could use after hours. We would always get uh, get together and meet. That was when we were making sense of the sense by Sense Central, our Twitter handle still yeah. to this day, at Sense Central. That was in 2017 we started that. January. January, so yep. we've had a lot of interesting content to cover and it was last November that uh, we just it's almost uh, just over a year that we joined with Locked On Podcast Network which was a massive move for us because it really shifted our mind focus about how we're going to run this podcast before we were, if big news came out, we would do an episode for maybe 45 minutes to an hour and a half, a big episode, but this shifted us to doing daily episodes your team every day you guys yeah. know it and we're doing more 25 to 45 minute episodes supposed every to be day. 25 30 but we uh, <laughs> tend to roll a little long still. yeah we Wait. we put we pushed it a little long and we do more episodes than we're supposed to really in the off season we're only expected to do three a week we're doing five a week so that's we been appreciate crazy. it i'll tell you that much we appreciate all the content for sure well, and that's why we do it, honestly, Brandon. Like the p the feedback we've got from people saying we love making you a part of our daily routine. Like we really noticed that this is a niche that we've carved out for ourselves, being a daily podcast covering yeah. the Sens. It hasn't been easy. It's been a grind. The centers haven't even played hockey in yeah. in hundreds of days, but here we are. And I think the biggest part of what we've done and what has changed our approach is getting these guests on. Mm -hmm. Like Ross said, we start yeah. thinking, who do the Sens fans need to hear from? Let's start contacting them. Doesn't always work out. That's fine. But more than often, people are happy to talk. And we're trying to bring different voices on our show. You hear us every single day. Yep. So let's get some analysts. Let's get some reporters. Let's get some scouts. Let's get some players' dads on the yeah. podcast <laughs> to hear something different. So that's what we've been trying to do. And we wouldn't still be doing this if people aren't reaching out to us saying we love the pod, giving us five-star reviews, yep. buying uh, built bars, supporting us that way. We wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the daily fans. So shout out to all you guys. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better myself. What I will say is, you know, I'm the I'm primarily the only sends guy on YouTube, you know, and you know, I, I, I highly encourage people to start making YouTube videos to start putting content out there for your Sanders. I love, I would love to collaborate with other sends people on YouTube. That'd be great. But what we've seen the last almost a year now, since the Sanders have played a game, it's been nine months. I, I, I think is the engagement in the Sanders community. It's like none other. I, I have grown and you guys have grown. We have grown so much during a period where the Sanders haven't even played a game. So I think that speaks embodiment to how great this fan base is. And whenever people call out this fan base, I always point to that. I have statistics right here showing there's still a passion here. And uh, eventually we're going to get back to that time where we can be proud of the team. And I think that's going to be very, very soon. Now, the other day, Gary Bettman, the NHL, made some announcements and uh, some huge announcements because the National Hockey League is back. 
puck drop January 13th, training camps opening December 31st, and then we're going to see the regular season come to a close May 8th, trade deadline April 12th. Uh, you got the expansion draft, which is huge. No one's even speaking about that. That's on July 21st. Got the draft, which we may have to keep an eye on again on the 23rd of July, and then free agency finally opens up the 28th. Guys, how are we feeling about the NHL coming back finally? Well, I don't think we could be any more excited, honestly. Like, you've been waiting longer than than ever. It feels like, oh, four, oh, five, of course, but that feels yeah. like so long ago. Even the wait to get in the 2012-13 season, but I believe training camps had opened because they did play a couple exhibition games, and I want to say it was mid-January start there. Anyways, with the cutting <laughs> of the season off before last as well, it's just been so long overdue, and there's been no better time to rebuild because – with this long period, you need yep. roster uncertainty to have fun plug and placing and what could this guy be and the developmental curves and you've taken a few swings on guys you think will bounce back in terms of Erica Branson, yeah. in terms of Josh Brown, you're betting on upside, I guess. And there's just so much there. And I didn't even mention Alex Galchenyuk. Or really, Michael Haley. Yeah, sure, exactly. <laughs> if you want to protect the investments down in Belleville, of course you have to. And that's another interesting cog in all this because as the team rebuilds that Belleville team missed out on some valuable playoff yeah. experience last spring so how does the taxi squad work that's still yet to be determined how is everything going to flow and how much does it hinge on the AHL which is set to get underway about two and a half weeks after the NHL how is that season going to look so there's lots of questions to be answered still but the initial excitement of course and the all Canadian division even better the, the fact that we're going to have to say goodbye to a Canadian division ever is pretty sad in itself. So let's enjoy gonna... it while we can. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that they play baseball-style schedules where yeah. you play the same opponent three, four times in a row, and let's get some animosity between these rivals. I think it's great for the game. I couldn't agree more. Now, i got to ask you both. You brought up a couple of points there that I would like to touch up on. Firstly, from Belleville, Pyridorion has already spoken. He spoke the other day, the TSN 1200. It appears that Ottawa is going to have a lot of competition from a lot of rookies. I think we all can agree here that Drake Batherson, it's probably a shoo-in. He's probably going to be on the team. I think that's safe to say. But a guy like Josh Norris, Logan Brown, Alex Formenton, they're not for sure getting a spot because guys like Elchenyuk, Austin Watson, these are the guys that are going to compete with them for those third and fourth line roles. If you look at Norris, Formenton, Logan Brown, those three out of those that group the overall group of prospects that are kind of on the fringe who makes it and who surprisingly doesn't who's your surprise to make it and who's your surprise to not make it well of those three to make it i gotta start with logan brown i think it's it's very clear you you can talk to anyone uh who talks sense and they're gonna tell you this is logan brown's year to make or break He's, he's still only 22 years old. He's a younger guy, but big body. He's missed a lot of time due to injury. Ross and I know very well from working in Belleville. We've seen a lot of him down there, and he's too good for the AHL at this point. And you've invested so yeah. much in him. It's time to give him a real shot. And he, he has played in the NHL, but he's been sheltered in fourth-line minutes. That's not going to cut it for a guy like Logan Brown. He needs to be, in my mind, he's the ideal candidate for your third-line center and yeah. you can have Batherson on his right side, some familiarity there. And then I'm a big Rudy Balsers guy. So I have Rudy Balsers ahead of Formanton, actually, Brandon. So I would put Rudy Balsers in that spot and keep Formanton uh, down in Belleville because, I mean, geez, do you want Rudy Balsers to go on a point streak the entire time he's in <laughs> Belleville? That's what's going to happen if he's back down there. So that's my third line. And as far as Josh Norris goes, 
I think Logan Brown kind of ousts him yeah. for that third line center spot. And I don't have a problem bringing Josh Norris down to start the season in Belleville. I mean, look, people forget that he's only had one season there. It, yeah. it was lights out. He had, uh, he was a rookie of the year in the AHL, but that's still one pro season. So I wouldn't have a problem starting him out there, seeing how the season shakes up. Likely Anisimov gets moved. That opens up another center position. Yeah. Then maybe you can see Josh Norris come up later in the season. I want to touch on what Pilsy said also, and we were talking about this on Locked On Senators on Monday, and that's what about reuniting one of the most dominant lines in the AHL from not this past year, but the year before. Nick Paul's already cemented himself as an NHLer. Put him with Brown and Batherson. Those guys on the forecheck working the cycle as well in the offensive zone, they're a possession dynamo, and they, also, they all bring different elements to their game but they all culminate in being big bodies. Brian Murray would be smiling down watching that line play. And I think it's worth noting on Logan Brown, too. That's Pierre Dorian's first draft pick as general manager of the Ottawa Senators. And he traded up to get him. So he has a lot riding on that investment. I think we see him get an opportunity consistently. Because I mentioned this as well on on our pod, and he can't play 11, 12 minutes anymore. That's not going to be a dip your toe in. Get Philip Schlappick for that role. Even Rudy Balser's a bit more. Logan Brown is a guy who needs 16 to 18 minutes Mm -hmm. every single game for a month and then see how he reacts, then make a decision. Do you add him into a trade or while he still has value or is he going to come down, break the door and earn a spot consistently in the lineup? What I will say though, and what's very important to mention is like Brandon said, put him on the third line, yes but give him power play minutes. He needs power play one or power play two minutes. Because, yeah, third line is good, and you put him with Rudy, you put him with Paul, you put him with Galchenyuk, whoever goes on that third line. doesn't really matter, because how about if they get hemmed in on a certain night? You want to guarantee offensive minutes for a guy like Logan Brown who needs to develop his offensive game in the NHL. So on a power play one or power play two, whenever aspect, right wing, center, left wing, whatever, I think power play two is somewhere where Logan Brown will likely get an opportunity with in the, the first part of the season, if he gets named to the team, because I think we all can agree here, a player like Logan Brown can't play third or fourth line minutes, fourth line minutes, pardon me. And if he's playing third line minutes, needs opportunities to get offense, to get, to get his offense going. I think it's more than all right if he's third line with power play too. You don't need him killing penalties. I don't think you really want him. There's other guys for that situation. But put him on the half wall where he can use his vision and patience, which are two of his best skills. Yeah. And if he catches a goalie cheating pass, this guy's got a rocket of a wrist shot too. So he can beat goalies clean. I think he, he just needs that confidence. He, yeah. Sometimes when he's not playing with enough pace, you almost wonder if he feels like down on himself out there a little bit. So he needs that, that kind of, res, not respect, but responsibility from the coach that he's going to go right back out there if he makes a mistake. And should they show confidence in him, I believe that he'll return it tenfold. Yeah, and I, what I will say is you, you spoke about that wrist shot that he has, his first goal against the Rangers, beautiful shot. So he definitely has a good shot. He definitely has the natural skill. Now it's about bringing that to that NHL level. I want to redirect the conversation now to the division as a whole, the Canadian division. What's, we already kind of touched up on this. We're all excited. I think we should be. This is sort of like in the World Cup a couple of years ago when the under 25 players had like a team North America. It was something unique, something really cool. And I think all of us missed that because it was a great team to watch. This is similar where this is going to be a one season thing, maybe two, depending on the way things go uh, in the next couple of years with COVID. But, you know, you're going to see Ottawa playing Toronto and the Montreal Canadiens at least 10 times. You're going to see the Kachucks playing. So what do you guys, uh, how are we feeling about the Canadian division? 
I'm I'm fired up about the Canadian division, mostly because of what you just said there, the yeah. the Brady Kachuk brothers battling. Because every time they've clashed, there's been something interesting. Like there was the time where Kachuk it looked like he, or <laughs> I should specify, Matthew Kachuk had a goal. <laughs> I think it was disallowed. Then what does Brady come do? He comes back and scores a breakaway goal. Then I think the next time they play. The ref has them taking the face off against each other at center ice to open the game up. So it's just, it's so interesting seeing these guys play because they're so competitive. I don't know if you had a chance to see during the quarantine uh, in between NHL games, uh, Nerf Gun has been doing uh, yeah. promos with the Kachuk brothers and they're just competitive at every single level. And so seeing these guys. They've, they've also been, they've been doing stuff with Sportsnet too, right? Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk. They've been like doing challenges or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter what whatever challenges you want, yeah. but at a pro hockey level, especially, yeah. they definitely turn up for uh, the brother rivalry matches. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great point. In the sense talk intro, it's literally the break of Chuck uh, breakaway goal in Calgary. You know, I'm I mentioned this in the last video. We spoke about uh, the Let's Talk episode was about who the next captain for the Ottawa Sanders should be. I came to the conclusion I think should be Brady Kachuk, but I can see both sides of the coin. An important point about Brady Kachuk is. He had 45 points, 46 points in a sophomore season where you usually see players decrease their point totals, a little bit of a regression. What we're seeing with, with Brady Kachuk is without Mark Stone, similar point numbers. So Brady Kachuk is a hell of a player, and I'm expecting big things from him this year. Now, speaking of expectations, what are your expectations for the Autumn Sanders this year, and who's your breakout candidate for the Sanders this year as well? Well, I'll, I'll start here, Brandon. And I think for the Ottawa Senators this year, you're, you're in a weird transition stage. You're no longer tearing the team down. There's no one left really to tear down. Like, <laughs> no. It's been torn apart. So that phase of, is there any good veteran players on expiring deals here for trade deadline? Let's get rid of all of them. That's pretty much gone. Now you're trying to build for the future. You're transitioning to competitive hockey. You see additions of Evgeny Tadnov, Matt Murray, not just flash in the pants, multiple year big deals being signed. That's a big sign for the direction for the Ottawa Senators here. Now, the All-Canadian Division, yes, we're super excited about it, but that does put the Sens against much, much stronger competition. So you're likely going to lose a lot more games, which isn't the worst thing because they could have another year where they have a good draft and uh, get some more talent for the upcoming year. Because I think not this season, but next season, you're going to be looking at a team that's legitimately contending for the playoffs. And I think that's exciting. As far as breakout candidates go, I think maybe not the biggest breakout candidate, but a guy that could really make some noise. I think Alex Galchenyuk. A lot of people kind of raised their eyebrows when Duclair came over, especially after Tortorella's comments, and he got put in a position to succeed. He had a coach that believed in him and DJ Smith. We could see a very similar situation with Alex Galchenyuk here, and this is a guy that, let's not forget, he had 30 goals with the Habs one yeah. season. He can put the puck in the back of the net. He just hasn't had a lot of confidence, has been bounced around the league here. So I think he can recognize that this is a good opportunity for him to have a good season. If not, at the very least, have a good season put up some points and sign a big deal somewhere else at the end of the season or try to come back for a longer term than Duclair was able to get so I think I want to watch Alex Galchenyuk here because I'm really intrigued to see how he does he's and my it, intriguing candidate not necessarily my breakout candidate yeah I just want to say one thing and that was that I personally believe that he's the type of player that if you put him next to Logan Brown and like Drake Batherson on that third line they can create some offensive magic and Obviously, the comparables can't be with Colin Greeding, Condra, and um, 
you know, um, it was Pajot, Greening, and Conjure in 2013. But that third line created so much. I think they can be a similar pesky type of line, but with offensive skill too. Because the, the Sanders, they seem to love their pesky type of players. And I'm sure Brady Kachuk will get them, you know, get a little bit of grit in them if they're on, if they're on the third line. But like Galchenyuk with offensive capabilities, Logan Brown with great offensive IQ, and then Batherson, you know, just a talented hockey player with a good shot. That sounds like a good third line to me. I don't know. I'll let Ross take over from here, but I'm just saying. I don't know. I think maybe we should temper the expectations a little bit on Alex Galchenyuk. This is a guy who's put on three different jerseys in the last two years. So I don't think we have to say that he's guaranteed to get back to his 30-goal self. I mean, he had eight last year, right? So it's it's a far fall from that. But that's why I think that Drake is my breakout candidate. And that's why I don't think you need Galchenyuk on that third line. I think Fair. that Nick Paul is just fine there, which is kind of funny because we all kind of have Brown and, and Drake Batherson penciled in on our third line, but we all have different left wingers with Pilsy having ballsters, me, Nick Paul, and you're saying Galchenyuk. So that's just it, the flexibility that this roster has. And for me, why is it Drake Batherson? Well, it's his third-year pro, and it took him an extra year in the queue to get his feet wet and look what he just exploded culminating in that world junior performance with Canada, seven goals in seven games matching then Senator Mark stone who had the same amount of goals. And that's the player who Drake Batherson put on his scouting combine, the player he most models his game after. So Drake Batherson, when he came up his first year, Mark stone was there. So another kind of drop in depth, not as much responsibility and he's playing on a line with Matthew Shane. That's all right as a rookie too, right? So nine points in 20 games there. Then takes a step back. No surprise, really, as the team was just awful in 2019-2020. But he got more games. He got 23 more games. So this is a guy with a half an NHL season under his belt, 44 games. And yeah. now it's time for him to take another step. We know that he takes his offseason extremely seriously in Halifax, working with Jill Plandowski, one of the best skating coaches in the country. And I expect him to pick up the pace in his game. And if if pace is the one thing holding Drake back, it's, it might not be for long because he has the strength. His hockey IQ is off the charts, and he's an exceptional playmaker. So if he can pick up his pace, I'm expecting – I don't want to use a, a point pace performance just because it is a shortened season. But in 56 games, if he plays all of them, I could see him getting like 40, 45 points if, if he can contribute. Well, I, what I will say is I, I like – I love that. You know, I, I hope you're right. I see more of a temper expectation in 56-game season. I'd be happy, frankly, with 30 points, something like that, especially on a third-line roll. Just give me, show me something. I need to see some sort of improvement, and I'll be happy. Another guy who should get power play time, and something that we noticed, and Pilsy mentioned, we worked for all most of the Belleville Senators' home games in the production team over the past two years, and he plays the point on the power play. Not only does he play the point, but not like most forwards. You think of Alfie most famously that play their offside, so they get that one-timer. He's on his strong side on the right shot because it's his vision that they're trying to use and open him up. And they had Josh Nor- Norris as the left shot right beside him. So he was feeding that little cross seam one-timer available for, for Norris to tee off on. So look for maybe Batherson to get an opportunity playing the point on the second power play unit as well. You know, I think that's a great point. And I think what this shows is the overall depth that Ottawa has, which is why... I know you guys were a little upset about the Michael Haley one and, you know, with the amount of other signings that Ottawa's made, like Austin Watson confused a couple of people. You know, 
Not us. I want to go on the record. We're Austin Watson guys. We've been yeah, watching Austin. him run around the ice and just destroy people and take some pressure off of Brady. He doesn't have to stand up for his teammates as much. Now, we know it's in his DNA. He's going to do it anyways, but he's not going to have to take a number anymore, right? Yeah. If he's on the bench and he sees a guy getting taken liberties up before, he would have been like, okay, next shift, I have to get him. But at yeah. 55, or I should say 16 now, shout out Brian McGratton for the, the number of respect that Watson showed by choosing that. He's going to be already a step ahead of Brady, and that'll free up Brady to do what he does best, and that's play offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was, I was just making a little bit of a joke on Michael Haley, but, yeah, I agree. Austin Watson, you know, it was, it was a little confusing because of the term on the contract, but it's, it's not a big enough – I'm not one of those people you'll find on Twitter – where a little deal like that's going to ruin my day. Like, I just like that style that guy, of hockey. If, if I'm a fan, I'm going to pay for a ticket. I want that hard four check. Like one of my oh, favorite for sure, games. Yeah. If the they feel like that's years. the player, if they feel like that's the player to do the job, let's see what happens. But I'm not going to, if it's an off season, we're a year out of playing hockey. If like an Austin Watson, I never, I didn't have an issue with it. It's whatever. Like yeah. a fourth line guy, you know, but what I'm trying to say here is there's a lot of depth on Ottawa. It's looking really, really good. And speaking of that depth, let's talk about the North Dakota or the NODAC fighting Senators, uh, as you guys say it. The Senators currently have four prospects there at UND. Now, Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin are there, but they're currently at the World Junior Championship uh, with Team USA. Right now, JBD and Shane Pinto are there, but all four of them will be there throughout the season. UND in their first 10 games is 7-2-1, which is a fantastic start. Shane Pinto has been incredible. And we'll get to him in a second. He has 13 points to 10 games and maybe 1,000 face-off wins. Jacob Bernard-Docker with 5 points to 10 games. Jake Sanderson, who's been pretty good, to say the, to be honest. 3 points in 5 games. And Clevin with a beautiful goal in the 3 games played. So, overall, who has impressed, you the, who's impressed both of you the most so far with the NODAC fighting Sanders? Well, I got to go with Shane Pinto. I mean, and impressed because I I had high expectations for him and he exceeded them. Like to to have a game, and I know it's been talked about a bunch, but you have to mention it. To have a game where you go 18 and 18 in the faceoff dot is just mind blowing. Like that's that's precision. Like he's mastered the faceoff skill already and he's just in college. Obviously, it gets a little harder when you get to the pros, but when you can dominate your peers like he has in the bubble, that just goes to show you what kind of uh, useful prospect this guy is going to be. I mean, DJ Smith even joked, hey, we should just get him up in Ottawa taking draws. Just take the draw and come on the bench just so we can get possession. It's massive for his game. He No player had more points in the pod than him. Kawaguchi tied him with 13 points, so that's impressive. And how about the toughness Pinto's shown? He got rocked yeah. in earlier in the pod with a big hit guy coming out of the penalty box. He gets up. He's a little shaken up, but he's okay. And then last night, he gets awkwardly taken down into the boards and looks like he hurt his arm or his shoulder, but it seems like from what Coach Bradbury's saying, he's going to be okay. So this is your number one centerman doing everything he needs to do, tipping pucks, setting up power play goals. He's a guy that I cannot wait to see in Belleville next year and who knows maybe he pushes for a roster spot later on I want to touch up on exactly what you just said because Pierre Dorian and his media availability the other day uh, with TSN 1200 mentioned the fact and he really went in on Shane Pinto it's very clear that Pierre Dorian likes Shane Pinto and I think all of us do especially with not a lot of prospects going on and when you got a prospect like this just dominating I think anyone would be attracted to that now with Shane Pinto you have a guy who Pierre Dorian says could automatically fight for a spot 
once his NCAA career is done. That's what he said. So, in your opinion, do you think Shane Pinto legitimately has a chance within the next year or two, once he moves on from college, to make the Senators team? Pierre Dorian doesn't seem to be against the idea. What about you guys? I think that he'll take a similar path as Josh Norris and play one full year in the minors. Hey, why don't we say it more so as a situation like another North Dakota prospect, Christian Willanen, where if the situation is available, because let's – if and I know everything is if in 2020, yes. but the way the NHL schedule is yeah. drafted, you mentioned it, Brandon, is May 8th finish. Well, yeah. the national championship is March 15th. So could we see Shane Pinto play NHL games this season? Ooh. Absolutely. Just like Will Landon did. He came out after his college career, played 10 games, and then still started in Belleville the next year. I see a very similar path for both Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker. These guys are too polished. And that's what you get when you pick out of schools and programs, much like I mentioned off the top with uh, Stutzla in Mannheim. These are just class organizations yeah. that develop people as well as players. They, they're treated like pros. We had Jake Brandt on who mentioned that North Dakota uses the Florida Panthers or the Chicago Blackhawks charter to go to games. They're, they travel like NHLers. They treated like them. The Ralph could basically be an NHL rink in North Dakota. So they're ready to step into a pro environment. It might even be a step down to Belleville, not in the quality of the ice, but in no disrespect, you got to love Bell Vegas, but not exactly, um, you know, growing the same way on the ice. So yeah. all, all I know is that those guys aren't far out. Sanderson, however, I love what I saw, but if he goes back one more year, it's not the end of the world. No panic there either. Do you want to touch up on one thing before I let Brandon go? With the Shane Pinto idea, you said the national championship would be on March 15th. Let's say UND goes to the championship. They win it, hopefully. That leaves a month between the trade deadline and the March 15th championship game. So in that month, if Shane Pinto continues to impress and he continues to do what he's doing, and like you just said, there's that potential for the Christian Milanen route, um, what we could potentially see with Shane Pinto then is he's potentially brought to the taxi squad for a few, for a few weeks. And then they move a guy like Anisimov or a Turney or whatever, um, you know, during that month. And then Pinto gets his time. I think that's like you said, Ross, I think that's a plausible scenario. Uh, Brandon, go ahead now. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I could see that as well. And uh, Shane Pinto, I think I'd be surprised if this isn't his very last season with UND and he's going to go out with a bang. He wanted to do it last season with unfinished business. He's going to finish business this season and, I would be surprised, I would be shocked if they don't win the national championship this year. Once Clevin and Sanderson are back and that team's healthy, I don't. it's going to be hard to take down a team like UND. They did look unstoppable, uh, those four. And now speaking of those four, UND, they look incredible, okay? With or without them, like you just said. But speaking of incredible, the Sens prospects, all four of them, have looked really, really good, including Tyler Clevin, who a lot of people on the – the bird app did not really like that pick and he's been pretty good so far. So what I'm thinking is, and I'm wondering if you guys agree, I'd say there's a good chance two or three out of the four are for sure NHL regulars at some point in their careers. What about you guys? What's your projection for all four? You don't have to go into it like in exquisite detail, but like out of the four, how many do you see making it? All four. Okay. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to, to be kind of concise with it. I see Pinto as a middle six win face-offs defensively. As one of our guests, Pat Micheletti, a former Homer Baker, Hobie Baker finalist said, 
You want him out on the ice taking a face-off, whether you're up a goal or down a goal in the last minute. And that's a guy who you want on an NHL team. Jacob Bernard Docker, I see him as maybe a bit less physical Travis Hamannick in his prime or a Ryan Pollock. Like, you know, yeah. a steady guy who in a good year could put up 25, 30 points. But you want to rely on him defensively, kill penalties, have him block shots. And I think that he's going to do just that in a top four, top six role. Then we get to more of a boomer bust in Tyler Clevin. But when you look at the way the Sens' defensive system is shaken out, even if they don't add a veteran, and I see that as more of a big if, then you're looking at a, a top four going forward of Shabbat Sanderson, Brantstrom, and I'm forgetting the fourth one. Is it Christian Willannon or there's, I feel like there's Brand- an obvious one I'm with. Willannon, I, mean, I think Willannon could be a top four guy, just to be quite honest with you. I think, I don't, I think a lot of people sleep on the guy. I literally made a video – Two weeks, about, two weeks ago about Christian Milanen. He's so underrated because he's injured. Everyone forgot about how many points he put up in that brief stint with Ottawa. That guy is going to break out into the scene, in my opinion. He's going to be, I guess, my breakout candidate for Ottawa because I think he's going to have a, carved out a, a legitimate top four role uh, to start the season with Ottawa. I, I, that's what I personally believe. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, it's going to be a big year for Christian Milan. And we actually had uh, Graham Creech, uh, producer at TSN 1200 on the show. He did the podcast with Willannon. And yeah, he just had so many good things to say about the guy as, as a person on and off the ice. And similar to Logan Brown, this is his year. Um, and for, again, another similarity, they've had health problems. So they haven't had the, the time to really produce and to get comfortable and to show this uh, Sens Brass what they can do. This season, Willannon and Brown are going to show them. And I think that I, I realized what I did. I had already mentioned JBD, but he's another the other guy who I have in that top four. And the one I hadn't mentioned while well, I just did is Jake Sanderson, a top five pick. This guy is the number one guarantee of those four that he's going to be an NHLer. And I, it's funny that we keep referencing, but this is what, what we were talking about before, Brandon, of having all these different guests and viewpoints is that we just had Tony Ferrari on Monday's show. He said Jake Sanderson is going to wear a letter for the Ottawa Senators going forward. He's already that certain as a two-year captain and with the U.S. team development program. He, he just bleeds leadership. So he is as, as big of a lock as possible. Tyler Clevin, the most volatile for him being an NHLer. But when I show you that top four, then the only pressure on Clevin is to slide into a bottom pair role. And I think he can accomplish that. What I want to say about the Sanderson thing is – I made a video a couple weeks ago, like I said, about the captaincy for the Senators in the future. And I got a few responses about Jake Sanderson getting a letter in the next couple of years. So while you're saying analysts and people are saying it, I sense fans are already saying it too. I think it's just inevitable when, or not if, Jake Sanderson uh, gets that letter. Who knows? Now let's transition now to the World Juniors. We got a few sense prospects in the tournament. Germany got Timmy Superstar, of course. Finland has Roby Gerventi, who may get power play one minutes. United States, obviously, Clevin and Jake Sanderson. Canada had Ridley Gregg, the first-round pick from Ottawa this year. Unfortunately, he contracted COVID-19 and was deemed unfit to play. So overall, let's talk about Roby Gerventi before we get into Team Canada. He may get power play one minutes. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. How are we feeling about Robert, Roby Jarventi and how is he going to do with Finland? You know, he's going to get a lot of opportunities. 
Oh man, we're so fired up about Yarventi. And from what we've heard, nothing confirmed yet, but it sounds like Robbie Yarventi is going to be playing on a top line yep. with Anton Lundell. And it sounds like he is going to be getting top power play uh, unit time. So when, like, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to put the puck in the back of the net. And I think we're going to see him light the lamp a couple times at least in this tournament. And that's why on betonline.ag, our official home of sports gambling, I threw seven bucks down that Robbie Arventi is going to lead the entire tournament in goals. And a bit of a hot take, yes, but if that cashes, you don't want to be the guy that didn't have money on Robbie Arventi. This guy doesn't even celebrate after goals. He's just such a natural. At least he won't be Elliot Freeman. Yesterday he tweeted out saying that should he put some money on a wager for uh, the Jets' uh, Rams line? He didn't end up doing it. He didn't end up putting money on the line. He was going to bet for the Jets. Yeah, I did too. First win of the year. How about that? Congratulations. Because hey. oh. <laughs> that, was, that was insane. But what I am wondering is with Team Canada, you know, they look unreal. And they that have New Jerseys, I think. Five, I think. Yeah, like I think this might be one of the best Team Canadas we've seen in a long time. What are your expectations for Canada this year in uh, Edmonton? Gold. I mean, yeah. they they won it last year. They have, they have a better team this year. Yeah. When when you have guys like like Kirby Doc on your team, yeah. uh, you know Boehm Byram. There's just so much NHL talent. Quinton Byfield. The amount of first rounders 20. is insane. I, I hope I hope we get uh, another appearance from that Swiss head coach saying there's so many first rounders. What do you want me to do? We're not going to win. Like it's going to be he's... even more that this year. Sorry, so off track, but he's HC Davos's coach now. Really nice head coach. Because when Joe Thornton signed with the Leafs, uh, obviously Mark Masters had to catch up with his old buddy Christian Woolwin. But that that moment, and to bring it back to the World Juniors, that's what it's all about. It's just like the uncertainty mm-hmm. of it, both in the press when you have international tournaments, and also on the ice. Like, how about that magic of the gold medal game last year yeah. between Russia and, and Canada? That was just unbelievable theater. And while you bring up Davos, I want to give a shout-out to the Spingler Cup. It's a very underrated tournament. I love that tournament. My friend Noah, the vice president of Senstock, not the biggest fan. He always makes fun of me for how much I love it. But I just appreciate, firstly, the barn there, the, the beautiful wood. This Davos is beautiful. You get to see, you know, players that you haven't seen in a long time, like in the Swedish teams, you know, the Swiss teams, whatever. You get to see all these different players who you kind of forgot about, and they're all on Team Canada. They're all on, you know, the other teams like Davos, for example. So it's a little shout-out to the Spengler Cup, a very underrated tournament for sure. Now, my next question comes to this. Which sense prospect in this tournament will be the Tom Shabbat of this tournament? Who's going to be the MVP sense prospect? And no pressure, Thomas Shabbat winning the MVP, the only defenseman yeah. to ever win MVP in the tournament. You're asking us to put that on someone? and Well, it, maybe not MVP, but who's going to be the best sense prospect? Who's going to show, show out the most? Well, in the, um, in the spirit of international events, I'll give you a gold, silver, and a bronze, which Ooh, okay. unfortunately leaves Tyler Clevin outside of the podium, unfortunately. Maybe next year, K-Train. Hey, yeah. But we'll start off, for me, it's bronze, it's Timmy Superstar. And that hurts me to say because I think he's the best of these four prospects. But the way that Team Germany was ravaged with COVID and just the simple fact of not allowing all their players to go because Rogel had such an importance on Marit Seider. And I really wanted to see those two on the ice together. So unfortunately, because that, because of Lucas Reichel, the 21st overall pick in this year's draft, they're both unavailable. That makes it a lot harder on Timmy Stutzla to succeed in this tournament. So I've got him bronze. 
I've got Robbie Arventi as my silver. I mentioned I've, I've got um, an investment here that he's going to put some pucks in the back of the net. And a lot of that relies on Anton Lundell. Yes, because Robbie Arventi, I believe, is still at a point in his career where he's a shooter. He gets to his right spot and he can pull the trigger. Whereas Anton Lundell has worn the C in the Liga. Like how many captains of pro hockey are playing in the World Juniors ever? I think that that in itself is pretty special. And he's had an unreal offensive year. And then Jake Sanderson is my number one. This guy is going to log a ton of minutes in all situations on a team that's known as having an elite set of forwards and maybe not the best defenseman. So I think he's going to separate himself with Cam York as the number one and number two options on that U.S. blue line. And U.S. has probably the best goalie in the tournament in Spencer Knight, maybe the best goal scorer in Cole Caulfield, and just a deep top six with Trevor Zegras leading the way. He was a stud at last year's tournament, and now he gets a chance to come back. He's a guy who I think could very well have been on Anaheim's team should this situation not have arose right now. So USA, because they have the best chance at gold, and Sanderson is going to be relied upon, he's my number one guy. And you, Brendan? Hey, it's a rare uh, occurrence, but uh, I agree fully with Ross there. I would definitely say that's, uh, that's my bronze, silver, gold as well. Now, while we touched up on Tim Stutzla, before I get to the last uh, little bit of things I want to discuss, the last thing. Last night on Sense Twitter, there was a lot of debate about the new rule in the NHL, where after seven games, the first year of Tim Stutzla's contract will be eliminated. What, are you got, what do you guys think? Should Tim Stutzla stay? Uh, with Germany and then go back to Germany with Mannheim or should he come over to the NHL and um, burn the first year of his contract? What do you guys think? Well, I'll take this one. I feel, I feel like the main message I want to say here is there's no rush to get Timmy Stutzler to the NHL. I, I see more positives with preaching patience and letting him develop a little bit more rather than rush him, especially this season. It's a weird half season, 56 games. You got taxi squads involved. Uh, COVID is who knows how that's going to go. So I think if, if he's going to stay in Germany and the senators still don't have his rights, they still have not signed him. And a lot of people saying, Oh, it'll get done for sure. Well, why hasn't it get done, gotten done? I feel yep. like most of the time these situations play themselves out much sooner, whereas this has lingered on here. So if he ends up going back to the DEL, that's still a pro league where he's comfortable with his teammates. He's comfortable at home in his home country and language, and he can continue to develop there. He's going to have another massive season, or he comes over to North America, and if the Sens brass thinks that he's ready to play NHL, then get him in the NHL. But it's all about being ready and not... Uh, rushing any player too soon and I think if you can burn or, or if you can avoid burning that entry-level contract um, year on his deal then that's a good thing but at the same time I'll play the other side of this coin I want him over in North America for sure now whether you burn the year I yeah. think six games is a big yeah. enough sample size where you let him do that and yeah. then you either put him on the taxi squad for a little bit and then send him back like remember when Alex Formanton made the team as an 18 year old I remember they he only played a few games. I don't think it was the full nine, but he played a few games, mm -hmm. but he also spent a lot of time around the team. He went on a, a trip out West with them and just getting to experience that, that North American pro lifestyle, yeah. I think would benefit Timmy and to play devil's advocate about burning a year of his contract. That just means he's a, a year closer to his next one. And that gives him less time to put up a huge number. Like, like Brady Kachuk was going to do before he signs. And then that really pumps up the value on his next contract. But these guys 
with Brady and with Tim, they're top five picks. Eventually, they're going to get paid. There's a market value, and you're just going to have to bite the bullet. But I think coming from Europe, it wouldn't hurt to get him over here, just experiencing the culture, eating the food, being a part of the organization. There's so many outside benefits that would help him do that. And hey, Brady was able to step right into the NHL. And I know he was the oldest guy in his draft year, and he'd already played a year of college, and he's coming from a lineage where he grew up around the NHL. But this is a guy who was picked in a better draft higher. So let's not undersell his skill. This guy could come into camp and play his way not only onto the team, but into the top nine. And actually, I should say into the top six because you're not putting Tim Stutzel on this team to be a fourth-line winger especially. But you're just not going to do that. And To to be centerman at at a fourth-line role, no. If he's going to make this team, he's playing top nine, but he has the talent where this might not even be an issue. He could play his way into it being a non-factor. But like Pilsy said, first things first, once we get the schedule, which Chris Johnson's reporting pretty – Pretty substantially, he says teams are getting drafts of the schedules right now. Once there's an official schedule, then Timmy Watch can begin because that's when he should sign. I, I'm in the middle where I'm okay with both. I, um, when it comes to prospects in the last few years, I trust the Sanders organization, to be quite honest with you. They, they seem to know what they're doing. You look at all the great selections, like Shane Pinto so far, Brady Kachuk has been a stud. You got a bunch of players – who a lot of people were not happy with and look at look at all those people now, right? So at the end of the day, whatever the Sens organization does, I'm on their I'm on their side. Do what you think is best. Just don't make a rash decision like you did with Curtis Azar or Jared Cowan. Make a proper decision and then go with it. Don't put him on the fourth line. If you're gonna have him in the NHL, like Ross said, top six. If not AHL or Germany, I don't want him third, fourth line. I want him top six getting opportunities, not getting the experience. That's just me. I want him to get the opportunities with the experience. So Brandon, let let me turn it around and ask you, who would you like to see as his first line mates? Let's say he does sign. You're DJ Smith. You're going into training camp. Who do you put on the whiteboard? In pencil, things can change, but who do you start Tim with? Are we assuming that Stutzla is going to be at a center at this position or would he be right? You're you're the coach. Where are you putting him? Well, then I put him at center because I love to see him with Dadanov and Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk brings that physicality. Dadanov just has the skill, and Stutzla just probably is the best playmaker in the, the last draft. So you got a guy with great uh, skill and grit, like Brady Kachuk will get to the net. You have a guy like Evgeny Dadanov who has good speed, good shot. You know, this NHL veteran who can score 60 points, 30 goals. And they got Tim Stutzla who can utilize his effectiveness at passing the puck and creating opportunities in the middle of the ice. That's my first line. Well, what about you guys? What would you guys think? Yeah, that's where I would have him too. Uh, yeah. Cause I think the most important thing is you got to get him with dad enough. Yeah. This is uh, Timmy Stutzla. He's a guy that can facilitate the play. He's a playmaker more than a shooter. Like look at the assists he racked up in the DEL. Yeah. So get him with a shooter that he can set up and a veteran shooter, right? Like this is a, Evgeny Dadanov has made an excellent career of finding the back, back of the net. Yeah. He's been one of the most consistent offensive uh, production guys since he came back from the KHL with the Panthers. So I think that's the most important thing is get him with the guy who can uh, be a sniper to Timmy Stutzla's playmaking abilities. Now I want to bring it to one more question. Pure Dorian, like I mentioned a few times in this episode, and I'll mention it again, had a recent availability with TSN 1200. And there's a couple of interesting things, of course, with the Shane Pinto news, with the Tim Stutzla love. He even spoke about uh, a couple other players. But this is 
one of the quotes that got taken out of context quite a bit, in my opinion, he said this, we know that he's probably, and this is in regards to Logan Brown, we know that he's probably our most talented forward prospect, especially in the group up front. It's up to him to prove it to us, though. So is this the make or break year for Logan Brown? I say yes. Ross and Brandon, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think we touched on it earlier when we mentioned him being the potential breakout guy on this team. It, it's exactly that. And yeah. uh, if he can't show it, I wouldn't even say the full year. I'd say he gets half a year, and, and he might be a guy who you use in a trade. But that's not what I want. I, and I think that if he is given that 18, 20 minutes a game, that he will show them that he's yeah. ready to play in the NHL. Yeah, I would say the the talent has never been in question for Logan Brown. I think it's been, can he stay healthy first and foremost? Can he be consistent? And can he kind of understand his role? You know, there's some friction between uh, his agent and um, the management saying he's not getting enough ice time. Well, you got to earn that ice time. And when you're injured, you can't earn it. So when you're healthy, you got to earn it. I think we're really going to see Logan Brown here. And if, if I'm guessing, I think he's going to show us all what he can do and the Ottawa Senators are going to hold on to him. Well, thank you guys so, so very much. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk with you all. Joining your show is fun. Having you guys on the show is even more fun. Before I let you guys go, how about you let the fans know where they can find your stuff, watch your stuff, stream your stuff, everything. Just let them know. Yeah, well, once you're done on YouTube with Sens Talk, make sure to head on over wherever you get your podcasts. It's just audio and probably for the best when you can see the mugs on Pillsy and I. I did try to warm up the room here with oh, my yeah. TV. I, I took advantage of that situation because we're not usually a, uh, a video outlet. But appreciate wherever you that. get your podcast, the Locked On Senators podcast, make sure to review. We really appreciate that uh, when we get uh, feedback as well. And, and you can subscribe to that there. If you're looking for daily uh, content, then that's – I would say the number one place to go. No bias either, but on Twitter as well, at Send Central. And then uh, we've got the Instagram going, not as active on there. Send Central on Twitter is definitely the, uh, the number one spot to yeah. find us and interact Crazy with outfit. us as well, uh, either through DMs or, or uh, responding to tweets. We always check that. And then, yeah, LockedOn.Senators is on Instagram. And Brandon, we really appreciate you having us on the show. You said it's your first episode in a while, so we're, uh, we're honored to be your first guest back. Well, it's a pleasure to have you guys on. Like you said, yeah, school really kicked my ass, to be quite honest. So it, I had to pick between making Sense Talk videos or hour-long episodes of the podcast. The podcast, I'll, I'll say it here, is going to come back, maybe at a less of a degree as we used to have it, but a couple times a week, I'm going to try to put, put out content for you guys. But regardless, Locked on Sanders podcast, your number one daily Sanders podcast. Thank you guys so very much, and we're going to have to definitely have you guys on again soon once the season starts. Thank you guys. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Ross and Brandon of the Lockdown Sanders podcast for joining the show. Definitely have to have them on again soon. And I highly encourage you guys to go and check out the Lockdown Sanders podcast. Great coverage of your Ottawa Sanders there as well. Now, before we let you guys go, here is where you can follow us on social media. At Sinstock Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is where you can find us. And if you want to keep on listening and watching our videos and obviously our podcast episodes on YouTube at Sense Talk. You can find all episodes of the Best of Seven podcast, plus, of course, more daily coverage of the Ottawa Sanders uh, with Sense Talk, my ho- myself, Brandon Plant, uploading videos there. And if you want to keep on listening to the Best of Seven podcast, all episodes are on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Apple. But besides that, thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.